Welcome to episode 28 of The Pseudo Show. My name is Michael Edwards, and I'm a Denver-based designer and musician, and I'll be your host. Joining the show today is Daisy Face, a band based in Phoenix, Arizona, with a guitar-driven wall of sound aesthetic that calls back to the best in shoegaze and fuzz rock of the late 80s and 90s, and to its revival in the past decade. I had the chance to gather the four members of Daisy Face to talk about their latest record, a split EP with Treehouse, and talk about life in Arizona, the creative process, and trying to make this whole music thing work. So let's get right into it. Daisy Face, welcome to the Pseudo Show. So if we could take a second for our listeners, you guys want to go around and say your names and what you do in the band? Yeah, I'm Adam Reed. I play bass and sing. Shane Taylor, play drums. Aaron Towner, play guitar. Uh, Brad Blakemore and I play guitar and sing. Awesome. Glad to have you guys on the show. Um, now, I, I figure we could just dive in and, and kind of talk about um, the band, and uh, maybe you could tell me, how, how did you guys get together and uh, kind of find find your sound? Is this just come, like, are you all listeners to music like this? Um, you know, kind of how did this get pulled together? Yeah, so I was in a bunch of local bands, and so was Shane here. And um, I we kind of came together piece by piece. So I used to bartend at a little beer and wine bar called Taste of Tops forever in Tempe or Phoenix. If you're ever in Tempe or Phoenix, you should definitely check it out. Um, and Aaron would come in probably more often than you'd like to admit. And we started talking about music and then slowly found out we both played instruments. And this was probably the first period in my since I was 16, I wasn't in a band, so me and him started hanging out and playing a little bit. And then I was actually asked to play bass in a band with Shane, because their bass player was supposedly not going to play anymore or something. And they were going to kick him out, and then they decided to not kick him out. A lot more cruel than what I was just saying, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I just, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so... That happened, and then since I couldn't be in that band, I asked him if he wanted to play drums because me and him had played our bands that we were in back in the day had played with each other a bunch, and we've always wanted to play together. And he said, Yeah, I wanted to jam, and I had some songs written, so us three started getting together uh, at the same practice space we, we still practice in, and then I randomly ran into Adam, who I had met from playing down in Tucson, we think. We recognized each other, and we had mutual friends. You saw across the, and, across uh, a meadow, you saw each other? At, well, maybe next to each other at a bar. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the lighting was great. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I thought he had played bass in this power violence band called Lakefront from Tucson. And oh, I wish. <laughs> and it wasn't the case, but <laughs> luckily he figured out how to play bass, and <laughs> he also can sing, so uh, he came in a little bit later after we had a couple songs figured out. So when did this yeah. all happen? I, I saw you guys have releases back to 2013. Is that around when the band came together, too? I think 2012 
October 2012, so geez, we're going to be three years now. And then I came in in January. Yeah. We had a friend visiting, and a mutual friend, Brad and I, <clears throat> and I had just moved to town from Tucson and hadn't really been doing anything in Tucson other than, like, acoustic stuff, but mutual friend. And before you came in, we were only playing for, I would say, around... A couple months. It was a couple of months, but we were only really active, like, maybe one or two of those, right? Like October. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, like, late October. Yeah. Nice. We kind of just got to that point where you have four songs and you don't have a bass player or a singer. <laughs> You're like, before we can move forward, we need to figure yeah, this out. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, we tried a girl out. <laughs> we did. Ooh. <laughs> um, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> First time I'm hearing about it. <laughs> so one of the things Glorious. that... Um, we like to do on the pseudo shows really dive into the, the creative process and whether it's music or filmmakers or other kinds of artists. And uh, I would love to hear you guys talk about. It. So, like, when you guys write your songs, is it is it more like does one of you bring a demo? Like, hey guys, I got this riff or I got this thing. Um, let's see what we can do with it. Or is it more like in practice, everyone there? Let's see what happens. So yeah, that's a good question. It kind of evolved. So initially I had maybe three or four songs because, again, I was out of a band for the first time in ten years and I didn't know what else to do. Um, so we originally wrote those songs and then Adam came and he has a solo project called Shepherds and Sailors. So he had some song ideas as well. But now it's really, I mean... Random. Yeah, Aaron comes in with a bunch of riffs and we piece it together now or somebody it usually starts with like a a guitar part that one of us brings in and then we'll just build on top of that yeah we'll usually bring in like two or three parts that go together and not really have a structure set just because you don't want to I don't know get too set on one one way of doing it yeah it's harder to change if you have it all too fleshed out yeah, and we—I don't know. I—I I think that we want people to have like their own input, and it's like, nope, you can't. It only has to be this way. Like we don't work <laughs> that way. Like we all want to be have our own input. Yeah, it's definitely a unit. It's interesting. I've heard all different ways that different songwriters work, and like for some people, it's like if you do it in the practice space, people kind of latch on to the first thing they write, and you're like, oh, we don't. We don't want to waste everyone's time by trying 20 different options here. And so I, I've seen like more solo-minded artists be like, no, I love working alone because I can, I can try 500 bass lines and no one's like, hey, stop wasting my time. I want to I hit some drums. And, uh, but then I also hear from groups like you where it's like, no, like it works better to not bring in a predefined thing and uh, to really have that clay to work with. I think I had a habit of writing alone for a long time. So there were a couple things that I brought in early on that were too fleshed out and generally way too poppy for one thing. <laughs> but uh, And it was really awkward kind of to verbally give ideas for a whole song and it just didn't feel right. So it seems like we benefit from a less is more approach. And you can almost hear the evolution of that. So the first EP, Dirt, 
is a couple of mine, and I think one of Adam's. Um, and then Slow Approaching Nothing, which is the second EP, you hear a lot more of Adam's influence in there, but then Aaron's starting to come in, um, the Traveler, the, one of the slower pieces, is actually, I believe, pretty much all of Aaron. And then Big the newer... as well. Big Sky, too, yeah. 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 And then the newest split is more of where we're at now in the writing process, where somebody may have a riff or two, and then it just gets pieced together. And it seems like the songs that we like the most are the ones that are more collaborative, and they get written in a matter of minutes. Yeah, there are some that... Like, we're still working on a song now that we've been working on for quite a while, Mm -hmm. just because that's how it seems like it needs it needs that kind of time to marinate a little bit but uh some of them will just come out in one practice cool so well we could talk about musical influences and if you guys have anything that really jumps out that you want to speak to that that's always welcome but i like to ask people about their non-musical influences so i didn't know if there was any films or books or even just like jokes or stories or experiences that kind of find their way into your music or you know if anything comes to mind um as far as you know what feeds into you that makes you produce what you guys make i would say barbecue (laughs) (laughs) we practice right next to a barbecue joint texas bbq yeah shout out there's a lot of barbecue references yeah it's yeah it's we call it bbq brain actually (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> and that's when uh, you got BBQ on your mind, and you got to write real hard and practice well, and so you can go get some BBQ. I think around the time when I when I came in and kind of had recently met with Brad or whatever, he pitched it to me where we were all kind of in a dinosaur junior headspace, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know if it's ever sounded like that, but. Um, I think we're all generally influenced by everything, you know, film and everything. We're all kind of, I guess, art heads in our own way. Yeah, and I think we definitely have different tastes. Um, I mean, Aaron, I would say, is like the most minimalist. I mean, he can expand on that if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I gather. (laughs) Just set him up for... It's uh, awkward, right? Go ahead. Well, he's he's the designer out of the group. <laughs> I'll be honest, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> he called you a minimalist. Minimalism, no, go. <laughs> In regards to... Uh, we get influence. Non-musical influence. Non-musical influence. I, I honestly fell into graphic design because of making posters for shows when I was a kid. I mean, I'm, I'm really not a good graphic designer. Because <laughs> I, I have no heart in it. I don't Admitted care. It's, yeah, it's well, just something I fell into. But you designed the DF logo in a way. Yeah. I really am impressed, honestly, by how everybody is all into all spans of type of things. Musically, and non-musically. Everybody's into some kind of obscure art or movie or whatever, and it comes up all the time. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think those 
influences are obvious, and I don't. Right. I think a lot of artists, when they say, you know, I've been listening to Balinese music, and that's why these guitar tones sound like that. It, it still just sounds like a Les Paul being played out of a Marshall stack. Um, Balinese? Is that a meat sauce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's with some I of the. Know. With some of this stuff, I do like to try to avoid, like, the what are your musical influences? Like, who are you ripping off? Like, it just, it just it's right. not, not usually the most productive discussion. Because, like you're saying, it is usually unconscious. Like, whether it's the musical influence or other things, it's, it's like, oh, I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, you could probably draw connections to things. But um, I do like to just sort of pick the brains of, like, the, the conscious things that do come out. Like, oh, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about Fellini or... Beavis and Butthead when I wrote this song, you know, whatever it is. But um, it is kind of a, a fun thing to explore. So a lot of times when we write songs, the song titles initially aren't what they become because lyrics come last. <laughs> oh, no. So we do have kind of two thematic uh, go-to names, and I actually think that some of the newer stuff, is they're going to stick. <laughs> But originally we had Breakfast and Lunch, and the song Breakfast was literally about Sunday mornings and, like, not having to worry about anything. And, I mean, that song sounded, sounds just kind of relaxed and hanging out at home. Um, lunch, which I'm trying to think which one is. Is Lunch Big Sky? It's it is, I think. It's the middle one. <laughs> so... <laughs> Lunch didn't actually have anything to do with lunch necessarily. <laughs> yeah, so I came up with the chord structures for that one because I was just I was just fooling around, just trying to making I don't know different patterns with my fingers and just trying to play as many open strings as possible. Uh, that's that was kind of my what I did when I wrote that one. That's Big Sky now. But yeah. <laughs> I'd say, I mean, living... So we got barbecue, Arizona, we got breakfast, we got lunch. <laughs> and, now, and then the newer ones are just one word uh, body parts, essentially. So we have teeth and hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my teeth are jacked up. Um, what? Oh, my he jaw is awful. Oh, you look fine, bud. Uh, uh, no, I mean internally, <laughs> though. <laughs> uh, Your internal I'm, teeth. I'm, my, my jaw and, like... Emotional teeth. and... You know, just like, and those are fake teeth. All of those, are. <laughs> they're wooden. Yeah, one day, they will. listener, Brad has gold teeth. They're all gold. <laughs> yeah, he, he's basically Jaws from James Bond. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know. It seems like there's an idea, maybe like a tone of a riff, and then it just kind of. Explodes and like comes together. Uh, the weather, I would say, is big out here. Yeah. Right now, our storage unit practice space in the middle of Phoenix, it's got a half working swamp cooler. It's probably a hundred degrees in there, and it's one hundred and ten outside, and it feels nicer when you walk outside. <laughs> and still might be flooded somehow. Oh yeah. So it's monsooning out here. So <laughs> it's just very confusing. You're like, it's hot but wet but what what's happening here? Yeah, you'll get, like, 
a night of relief from a monsoon where it's, you know, in the high 80s, and then the next day it'll be 110, you know. But, so the summer... <laughs> so why do you guys <laughs> live in Arizona? <laughs> Remind me. What did you say? Why do you guys live in Arizona? Remind me. Uh, it's well, it's because it's the greatest place on Earth. Oh, got it. Cool. <laughs> got it. I read that. No, I, I actually really like it here. Like, if I hated it here, I wouldn't live here. No, right. I think it's, it's easy to live here. I don't know, like... For a band our size, too, there's nowhere else that we'd play with the national acts that we have. Like, I think it would be, like, we're, I don't want to say, like, a big fish in a small pond, but it's almost that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we are very fortunate out here as far as being able to play with touring acts all the time. I think I would move. I'm always stuck in a band. And that's why I don't move. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, I'm mean, not stuck like in a bad marriage. <laughs> like, it's like something I don't want to leave, you know, and they, just, yeah. they kind of, you know, intertwine and I can, you know, I'm stuck in Arizona. I love it though. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think if we could afford, <laughs> I don't know. No, never mind. It's definitely a love hate. And we're talking you get about six months of sh- just shit. Well, we're talking about influences in songwriting, too, and, like, non-musical influences. Yeah, but think about how much we talk about the weather. I know, I was going to say that. I think many bands from Arizona, in general, cannot help but have the weather be an influence on their writing and their sound. Like, there's so many bands I've known from Tucson and Phoenix that have references in the title, or the album title, or lyrically... Imagery. Yep, that is... Related to being in the desert or whatever it may be. Yeah. Our first EP is called Dirt. Yeah. The second EP has a photograph from one of Shane's friends that's, uh, I think, like, northeastern landscape, which is more like Colorado, actually. Yeah. And we're all from different parts of Arizona. So Aaron's from Yuma, which is interesting in itself. Now does Arizona does, does Arizona have this thing that I've found in Denver where like people are obsessed with like I'm a native I have a native sticker on my car because I'm from here. Well, I was actually born in Colorado. I was born in Kremlin, Colorado. I grew up in Summit County. So you could you could to, put that native. So I went from like one of the coldest spots to one of the hottest spots being to Yuma, Arizona. Yeah. And I'm from Ohio, but oh, I've been, so been am in I. Tucson. Wow. Oh, really? Yep. You must be awesome. (laughs) Everyone from Ohio is awesome, right? It's true, especially the ones that leave. (laughs) No, I was just going to mention, because you guys were talking about weather, that like you know, a lot of Midwest stuff is pretty gloomy because the weather sucks because it rains constantly. Um, And yeah, I could definitely see that happening. A lot lot of emo came out of the Midwest. Exactly. I feel like there's whole genres that are way better in the Midwest. Probably like emo, particularly. And I guess that's funny because our, like, horrific weather, it's sunny. It's still sunny all the time. Yeah, it's like a conflict. Like, yeah, this it's, sucks, it's but yeah. it's bright. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> and we love it. And Brad mentioned earlier our practice space. It, it's a brick storage unit with a broken evap cooler 
and it drips, which is some sort of poison. <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is like, why it's it's going to sound like, why on earth would we be there? <laughs> You're right. It but is going to sound like that. It's got character. And it's a beautiful drive, especially down southern. You see South Mountain. Well, whoa, not my drive. Not your drive. Your no. drive is glorious. Yeah. Mine is like through the airport parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of history in that complex. Me and Shane played in like a unit two doors down all the time. Like shows, illegal. Our practice space was like a venue for a decade too, like a DIY. Oh, that's classic! Venue. I it's, love, I love that. How shows. Yeah, it was essentially this complex, this like horseshoe-shaped complex. The venue would get swapped out as soon as somebody would, police would get, like they would get yeah. kicked out because. So, Sepulterra practices two doors down. That too. Uh, that's true. So it can't be all that bad, but <laughs> <laughs> depending on how much you like Sepulterra. <laughs> But, like, we got these awesome, like, ceiling down uh, velvet curtains that were installed there from uh, Jess from Destruction Unit when he took over the space a while ago. And tons of bands have played in these places. You used to see, it used to be called Wall Street, and it would show up on Pitchfork. Like, um, like Perfect Pussy played there maybe less than a year ago. Maybe about really a year ago now, actually. So yeah, just kind of a, a legendary spot. It kind of is. Yeah. Jody Foster's army. Yeah. <laughs> the so. members of Jody Foster's army. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Lives in the other space. Bam, He's bam. a neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> and then the BBQ spots right down the street. <laughs> Perfect recipe. So but yeah, I guess I mean with the heat during the summer, you got to do something. So I'd rather sweat in a. Storage unit than sit at home all day. So two days out of the week. That's a good quote right there. I'd rather sweat in the storage unit. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of got we kind of got hooked on the 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 Phoenix aspect, the the Arizona aspect. So maybe we can shift gears to that of just you know what you're willing to say on something that will be publicly broadcast about the Phoenix scene. Like, is is it a great scene? Is it positive? Is it collaborative? Is it negative and selfish? Like. You know, what's it like down there? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's super positive. Yeah, it really is. I think it's surprisingly good to people that move here. Yeah. Again, that whole, you get to play with touring bands all the time. Like, uh, I mean, we get to play with Yuck, um, Nothing, We're, uh, that's just with this band. Uh, Chain, I know, has played with some great metal bands back in the day. And then just the community, too. Again, Phoenix is really sprawled out, so people have to drive 40 minutes to go to practice or see a show. Yeah. Or you're going to be stuck in our storage unit to watch a band play, <laughs> and it's going to be 110 in there. And There's then a lot of storage people unit. crammed in it. It kind of feels like once you meet the right person, band, or people, that they'll kind of get you in and you'll be you all of a sudden meet a ton of people in bands and you're like oh this all existed and i had no idea yeah. and you'll find a storage space venue or whatever it may be <laughs> and as far as i know there aren't any riffs Rifts? You know? no. rifts oh no yeah yeah there's i mean there's a couple not not real vi- no violence i know really 
when I first moved out here to Tucson, um, it was really crazy because the, I used to go to hardcore shows in Cleveland, and the Cleveland scene is really, really familial, and mm-hmm. everybody hung out with everybody. So at first when I moved to Tucson, it was, I don't know, to me, surprisingly separated, and we would come to shows in Phoenix, and we'd go to shows down there, and it was I was just trying to get my head around it. And I think hardcore and metal out here were, to me, huge for a long time. And then kind of, I don't know, in like 2004 or five, there was all the crews and things got weird for a little while, but it's all been coming back steadily for a long time. And people are starting new bands and making new friends and a new influx of art and whatnot. So it's good. feels good right now. Yeah, and I think there's always been this aspect of you have to just figure out how to do it out here. So whether that be storage unit shows <laughs> or uh, old converted homes in downtown Phoenix before it's become what it is now, yeah. which is somewhat similar to downtown Denver. <clears throat> yeah, Denver's kind of had a, a warehouse district that's like been a consistent like art spaces are going in everywhere, and then that takes off and becomes awesome and then rich people move in then it gets too expensive and then it sucks again but it's Williamsburg yeah and that's I mean I don't think we ever have hit that point yet actually I mean we've gotten a large influx of like artists but yeah honestly the spaces they Still. haven't attracted like that money I don't think I mean now in those areas they're starting to build some some like apartment complexes and kind of yeah. You mean downtown? Or, yeah, downtown. Yeah. So there's still plenty of these small little venues and people doing it their own way and having to work with other bands and other people that run a weird low space. And so there's that communal aspect. And it, does that communal aspect feel like it extends to most of Arizona? Because like, I feel like in in Colorado here, it's like there's Denver... And then everyone, they're either on their way to California or they're going east. And it's like, yeah, they stopped in Denver. And there's this tiny little scene here in in spite of being a big city. And then there's just nothing. I kind of feel like here it's that way a little bit. Where if a band's coming through, they're often coming from Texas going to Cali or vice versa. And it seems like they'll stop in either Tucson, Phoenix, or Flagstaff. But rarely... Well, I don't know. Lately, there's a lot of bands that are going to Tucson, Phoenix in a row. And yeah. vice versa. It's definitely gotten a lot better. It seems like even in the few years that we've been a band, it's gotten crazy good. Yeah. There's a, been some, <clears throat> an influx of nicer venues in downtown, too. That's, That's helped. Because, again, you're not in a old converted home <laughs> in a warehouse 90 space. degrees instead of 110 inside of it and uh, and this is bringing in more people and larger audiences um, yeah so like any any show that I ever wanted to go to maybe five years ago you would never have to buy a ticket in advance yeah now starting you know, to happen now you're taking your chances like they sell out now yeah to be fair uh, at least in my experience house shows can be some of the most memorable shows that ever happen I was just going to say there's an organization here through ASU that books almost entirely house shows in Tempe and um, and we're not they're awesome and they're thriving 
So, um, and we're looking to play those. <laughs> <laughs> BT dubs. Um, so you guys recently put out a, a split seven inch with Treehouse, and I wanted to ask you guys just sort of a so, the backstory on this. So, are you, is that like a friend band? How did this uh, EP come together? This is a big question mark. <laughs> Email? You don't even know We've how it happens. Well, they're from Portugal. Um, they reached out to us and said they really liked our music and wanted, we were talking about doing a 7-inch and they wanted to do a split 7-inch. And at this point, we were we had just finished our second EP and we were starting to get on the second batch of songs. So we kind of used a way to be motivated and uh, really work on writing some songs to record and then kind of record this newer sound and then um, we released it out here and then a couple labels in Europe released it as well and they did a small tour for it but I think they found us on Bandcamp I think they literally just searched under music tags or something it's it was very random feeling. Yeah. But awesome. Yeah, it is cool. So we did, you know, a Google Hangout with them, and they got to see our sweaty-ass storage unit space. Your sweaty asses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's how we greet one another here in Phoenix. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they're currently kind of on hiatus but are probably going to play again and you know who knows maybe they come out here and we do a small west coast thing or you know they just released the second song of theirs online today cool yeah from the split so and then maybe who knows maybe we get out to do like a Spain Portugal Austria Germany thing Mm mm-hmm so when you guys produced your your part of the EP, was this uh, with a local studio? Are you guys self-recorders? Um, have a buddy? How do you guys pull this together? Yeah, so... Shane... Well, I, An old friend. Bo- yeah, both me and Shane used to play in bands with him. Uh, Jay Paz, he goes by... Well, he goes by Jay. His real name's Yerkes May. Which <laughs> Yerkes is, May. Which yeah. is... The letters in Jimi Hendrix rearranged. That's what is. They had all been in bands together and known each other through the scene for years. And uh, he had kind of a traveling home studio for a while. So the first two EPs we recorded at the Space, and then he moved into a spot where he could have a home studio a little bit and upgraded every time. And so the split we recorded at his home studio, which. I don't know what he's calling if he's... But Jay Paz... Shalom Home. Shalom Home. <laughs> Maybe not. I think so. Is it? Really? I don't know. He's I, been working I, I on a name, it. but... <laughs> <laughs> the Myrtle House? Is yeah. That, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's on Myrtle Lab That's what it says on the internet. But, um... <laughs> the internet says Shalom Home is a senior living facility in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's where he records. Nobody can hear, so it's all good. So, yeah, everything's been recorded with Jay. Um, the first two, yeah, in the sweaty-ass space, and then the second one at the Shalom Home. Or third one at the Shalom Home. But he really has an understanding of, like, what we're trying to 
accomplish. And so it, it's good working with him because he's a friend. A lot of us have actually played music with him. Very easy to communicate because yeah. he's definitely on the same page and he knows the scene, he knows all the genres, that, you know, mm-hmm. with whatever we're putting out. So I got two other topics on my list, though. I mean, if there's anything you guys want to talk about, by all means, bring it up. Um, the first is that you guys just played with the Mystic Braves at the Valley Bar. So, if, I mean, I'm a fan of gig reports. So if you guys want to talk about how'd that show go? Or, and in general, do you have a favorite show you've played that you'd want to talk about or describe? Shane? <laughs> it was great. It was awesome. We, uh, it was our first time playing at the bar, Valley Bar, which is a newer venue here. What do you think, six months? Something, Something like, like that, yeah. So one of these new venues we were talking about that recently opened up is Valley Bar, and it's an underground bar gaming hall venue. And um, so this is the first show we've played there, and it sounded great, and all the bands were awesome. And... Uh, it was just—it was a great turnout. Everything was good, especially for a Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people there. Sound was amazing for any night. It was, yeah, it was, it was a good weekend night. Yeah, yeah you always wonder about those weekday shows. You're like, oh man, is this gonna work? All right, it did. Right, and it was two locals and two bands from LA that knew each other. We um, were like the the one different sounding band yeah. in the lineup. We were you're definitely kind of the odd band out. Um, I think when we got put on the show that maybe they're like our old stuff. I don't know. It's we were definitely like fuzzier and more distorted than anybody else that played, but it still worked and people liked it. One of the bands, a local band called the Apaches, that also recorded with Jay. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're a straight instrumental surf rock band and they were amazing. Yeah. But Mystic Braves killed it, and everybody really enjoyed it. Cool. And, uh, I mean, that sort of makes me wonder, like, have you had any weirder matchups where you're like, oh, let's go play the show. Oh, it's a folk band. This is, like, weird uh, that we're... What are you thinking of that hardcore one? I feel like oh, definitely... Oh, yeah. You know oh, what? that was bad. That was I just think... with Destruction Unit, too. It was, like, all around a weird matchup. At the record store? No, no, we play no that the old spot, spot the spot. At the spot. Yeah. It's called the spot. <laughs> it was like a box room warehouse type space. But uh we work better as the heavy band on a show with bands that I think are lighter. Where we've played some shows with grind and hardcore bands and stuff like that. Um and it seemed a little more awkward to me. I don't know. <laughs> So it's weirder to be the the less hardcore band. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, because the hardcore metal scene here, I would say, is still kind of thriving. Like those shows could be anywhere random and they'll be full. And uh, there's a lot of diehards, you know. So mm-hmm. as soon as we start not screaming, yeah, it gets a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's we're that's bringing like up too many feelings. <laughs> We're kind of it's weird. Are hardcore fans like? Do they only listen to hardcore? Because I feel like most. No, no. Are, yeah, and I guess that not was the all. whole thing. Like, bands like Nothing and Were and stuff are doing more shoegazy, but it's just like heavy shoegaze. Yeah, and uh, there's like a whole group of people that are into like more abrasive music. 
the also like more experimental music. And I think when we initially started, we wanted to test the waters out here. And <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we kind of were, and not to be like patting ourselves on the back, but it, I feel like the stuff we were playing was a little bit new in Phoenix, where nothing and were came out, and we there was like nobody else to even play the show. It felt like yeah, but um. And then all the bands at the hardcore shows and stuff, and and the more aggressive shows, totally were down. Yeah, you know? they've all so like music heads like it because everybody's into everything. So. Yeah, but they were a little bit more awkward. <laughs> well, I, I wonder. I wonder how these shows come together because I, I feel like venues are like, yeah, make it a variety show, and they just like grab random artists and make a show happen, and then. That's my favorite, personally. I love shows that are all across the map, but I think it Mm -hmm. strikes really weird to the average showgoer. Yeah, I think that's where it doesn't... So, like... Yeah, Yeah, sorry. uh, The the Mystic Brave show was an example of a nice mixture, so there's, like, kind of a funky throwback 60s band and the surf band and then we're kind of more of like a spacier psychedelic-y heavier band and then there was uh, Mystic Braves who were more just kind of like uh, kind of a throwback also yeah definitely but there's like some interconnection between all those yeah we all have a heady (laughs) psychedelic kind of aspect I guess yeah Mm -hmm. but then you played Earlier on, we played shows that just didn't necessarily. And if when people didn't know us too, there's some shows we got because we all we knew people in town that were putting it on, or we knew people in other bands, and um, maybe they knew us from previous projects. And this didn't necessarily sound like those projects. So we'd get on the show, and in their mind, maybe be different than what we were. I guess that's it. Yeah. No, it's interesting as you guys described kind of the vibe of the Arizona the scenes in Arizona that there there is this sense of interchange and and connection and friends and like you know you get shows cuz you know people and like while that's at a base level true everywhere I found you know you know coming from Ohio like the idea of trading shows was pretty normal like hey we'll book Definitely. a show and you can come on our show and then later you're going to book a show and we'll play on your show and it's like this nice give and take and i found in colorado that's like a foreign concept to a lot of bands where i'm like they're like what do you mean trade shows and i'm like where are you at i'm in denver from in ohio uh i'm from northwest ohio so like toledo area oh me too i'm from fremont (laughs) nice literally lots of friends that still play in like cleveland and toledo so this was totally normal like yeah of course like yeah yeah, let's trade shows and then i howard's yeah howard's yeah Howard's Club Hell, if you guys want to look it up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think part of it, honestly, out in, uh, may, probably in Colorado as well, but it really is spatial. Where, I mean, Tucson, Phoenix are two hours away. Where in Ohio, the next town's 20 minutes. Especially yeah. in where we were, too, northwest. I mean, southeastern Ohio, that's Xenia or something. <laughs> no one cares about southeast Ohio. Nobody cares. <laughs> We didn't say it here. In fact, they don't even have podcasts as far as I shouldn't say They don't have internet. <laughs> Delete. No, but I, I really think that uh, just proximity to other towns is why, you know, the network is a little different. 
right? You're <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it isn't. No, I, I appreciate the the insight because I've been wondering about this for a while, like the, the difference I've sort of experienced when I moved out here in 2010 and just like, I mean, it's not like it's a bad seat. I, li- I love Denver, but it's just there's things that are different about the, the way people interact and, and share or don't share things. <laughs> yeah, this is a really good time for this town anyways. Yeah, I really I think, think so. Yeah, I think ever, personally. Yeah, I think Phoenix is a great, great place for bands. Like, yeah. I mean, I was telling those the dudes from Creepoids about it because it's so cheap to live out here, and it's just a nice base. Exactly. I, I kind of think that um, a lot of these other hip places in the country, and there was quotes on that, but <laughs> are getting too expensive to, for people to leave and go to. So I think people are sticking around more. Where I used to know people in Tucson and Phoenix that would move to Brooklyn or Portland or Austin or whatever, and that's fine. But it, now it seems like they're too expensive, so they're staying here and starting bands yeah. and opening restaurants or whatever it is. So the whole culture is way more in the mindset of stick it or stick around and grow your own thing and make it cool you know and with yeah, and I, with the internet think. involved why not do that because your your audience is so much bigger than just geographical right you don't have to tour as much you can get your music out anyway yeah I, I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> now i was going to mention on, like Brian. The way you were describing that, like, yes, yeah, sticking around where it's a great vibe, the people are great, and it's not, you know, you don't have to sell off one of your siblings to live somewhere. Um, yeah. I, I think Denver is one of the most expensive places to live that doesn't have an ocean next to it. So I'm starting to feel really? that of like, yeah, I mean, apparently people like these mountains, but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that I mean, that is one of the sad cycles of a lot of creative communities is like something awesome happens, a bunch of people flock there, it gets really expensive and all the cool artistic people are like, I can't afford to live here because no one wants to pay artists, apparently. And so, it, you know, stuff starts happening elsewhere. But maybe that's one reason to, to really look at Arizona as, as, as a place where a lot of cool stuff's happening. Yeah, I, I think all this... Um, like, <laughs> ten years ago, it, you were just used to playing in front of 30 people. And now, at a show where I would expect it on a Tuesday night to have 30 people, there's like 100 plus. It's kind of crazy. I mean, the way it's evolved, a lot of the framework's set, and it's just flying right now. Uh, there's those... Valley Bar, Crescent, a couple Rebel of Lounge. Rebel Lounge and Phoenix are really helping it the seems development. Like there's promoters opening a lot of places. Yeah. Like all of those places great. that are that have the best sound are being opened by people that promoted for 10, 15 years yeah, or whatever. That's what I was gonna say too, that have just been a part of the scene for right. so long. Right. So these people that care are opening venues and therefore the venues more fun, sounds better, feels right, mm-hmm. and the whole scene benefits. Cool. Um, so I guess the last thing I had um, would be just sort of, you know, what's next for you guys? Are, are you guys working on a new album? Are you going to, you know, 
get in a van and find your way around the country anytime soon? Well, we all have a side yard we're working on. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yard work. Yep. <laughs> we're working on a full length right now. We're uh, Since the split, we've been writing for a full length and um, taking shows as they come in, and but not really being too aggressive about playing shows so that we can write. And um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the next thing. I don't know what we're talking about. Beginning of next year, hopefully, getting into the studio. Yeah, I mean, most of our current set isn't currently recorded. We're about half and half, but um, it's just chugging along on this ever evolving sound and. I think the songs that we're hopefully going to record for the full length are, they fit more. It it sounds more cohesive. I think pretty much right when we started doing that split, we kind of hit our stride as far as writing what felt like our own sound, you know, where all the, everybody's head was in the same place and all of our efforts were kind of headed toward the same direction. So the songs that we've been playing in, in our playing live for the last you know months or whatever feel more like us than anything else. So we're writing all that to be recorded now. That's cool to hear because not every not every band gets to that point where it it kind of reaches that cohesiveness. I think about that a lot actually with um, just the pace of people hearing music these days where everything is so quick that if if you don't, um, I don't know, quote, make it or whatever, or people break up in two years, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. in a new band so quick. So I kind of feel like we're taking our time and doing it how we like it and making it good. Yeah, I think we just had to try a lot of different things and just play everything that came to us and not not really be like alright this is our sound we just if it was there it sounded good we just did it and eventually it's evolved into what it is now definitely well, which is get- ska-punk <laughs> ska-punk <laughs> well it's pronounced ska-punk I think ska-punk <laughs> hey, I stayed up on Sunday nights to listen to Skip Punk back in middle school. Christian. Oh, I thought Punk. you meant now. Oh, wait. How about this one? The other day I was on YouTube watching Skip Punk till 4 a.m. How many people here have been in a ska band? Uh, I had a theoretical band once. That was a ska band. I'm the only one. I'm not raising my hand. Oh, man. I've been one. There you Ooh, go. What was yours called? We never had a name. Is that, that was that the name? <laughs> no, they they ended up being a, a Yuma band called uh, the Slackers, which they're not oh, wait, Slackers. Yuma band oh, does yeah. that carry wait. some metaphorical weight? Like, oh, that's a Yuma band. No, no, I <laughs> no. He's just from Yuma. Okay, okay. There, no. there's some good bands down there. Um, God, I can't remember the name. <laughs> Oh, the skeptics! I, yeah, they were called the skeptics. The skeptics. Yeah. Do you get lots of really horrible jokes about three ten to Yuma, or like, oh, why is that the only 
anything other people know about you, Ma? Um, not, not really. Not, not when I was there. I moved away from there in, like, 98, so. But, I don't know, we used to get, there was a really good scene down there when I was, when I was growing up. There's actually a few bands we've played with that have buddies of his from Yuma mm-hmm. now, like re- that all moved out to Phoenix or Tucson, and at some point, yeah, and like they're the, really great bands now. Yeah, like the Wongs, which had Ryan Russo, and then from Destruction, yeah, and so from Destruction Unit, Garboski and his brother as well in Tucson, yeah. Garboski, Ten Ponies from Phoenix, yeah. I think people think of like so many places out here as just places you drive through on the way to wherever, but except for I don't know bands and those of us that live here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely really influential for me because there wasn't anything to do there, so all you would do is go to shows and like I got I got introduced to uh, Blonde Redhead down there. They're playing there and. No idea. I was just into <laughs> ska punk and they ska <laughs> punk. <laughs> punk and like they they SK played apostrophe some, like, punk. They played some <laughs> punk rock show and wow. it just blew my mind. And from there, like I started searching for like indie rock type stuff and just other things. Like I didn't know anything else existed. So all I'm hearing is without ska punk, yeah, <laughs> you probably you would be never be. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of the Midwest a lot, because I don't know... Are you from Toledo, Toledo? Uh, Bowling Green, Proper. actually. Oh, man. <laughs> so you, so uh, when you I said Howard's, it was it, it struck deep. Uptown? Yeah, I've been passed out in the grass in Bowling Green a handful of <laughs> that times. That is awesome. Uh, sounds about right. I've got friends out there that tattoo and work and do studios right now. But um, the, the small town aspect out here with... Tucson kind of has and Yuma definitely has where like there's a community there's definitely a sense of community for everybody from there much like the Midwest where Bowling Green had its own little weird college scene kind of and then even in Phoenix Tempe has a certain vibe that the rest of Phoenix is kind of different from but it's getting more mutual and familial across the whole town though mm-hmm but yeah, skapunk. Skapunk basically <laughs> sums up everything. Yeah. yeah, so I guess your earlier question about what Genre. our influences are. <laughs> yeah. Sweaty ass practice spaces, <laughs> barbecue, BBQ brain, and skapunk. Skapunk. Good at All right. The, the bummer way of ending <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Well, Which I mean, it's funny because I, I don't know. We have, as far as influences, like that is not it. Are you about to say <laughs> yeah. of, of one thing that all yes. of us don't feel influenced yeah. by? Exactly. It's, it's mostly Russian fun. novels, right? Yeah. Russian novels, Dostoevsky, and uh, <laughs> Brad does play a killer trumpet, though. Yeah. Yeah. That I was guess? in this guy band called Burrito <laughs> Libido. What was it? Burrito Libido. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. It, it wasn't lesbianage? Lesbianage. <laughs> <laughs> lesbianage. Yeah. We were 14, I don't think we would have been able to 
think of something that clever. <laughs> Burrito libido is pretty good. <laughs> it actually, is. that's uh, a keeper. That's a keeper. All right. Well, I mean, that's all the kind of the topics I had in mind. But is, is there anything else you guys want to say at the end of this podcast? Just barbecue brains. I say come to Arizona. Come to Arizona. Everybody, I think the Southwest needs to like unite. All the little towns will create a little tour path. And yeah, it's much. I mean, it's probably as horrible that we made it sound. It's really <laughs> a beautiful place, and there's tons and. Tons of little mining towns and. Well, now I want to move. Hi- <laughs> <laughs> no, miners. I mean, you go two hours miners, north Mike. and it's snowing. You go miner towns. It's not miners, but miners. Miners. <laughs> you spelled it wrong. Old mining towns, Bisbee, Jerome. Yeah, Bisbee's crazy. There's a lot of cool little, like, diamonds in the rough out here. There really are. There's a lot of Aladdin. And that's the thing. It's, a lot it's of all add-ins out here. It's only it? like two hours away, so I mean... Well, compared to Ohio, that's so far. Yeah, I guess so. Well, no, it's, it is close. It really is close. I mean, I'm just being a dick, I guess. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on the Pseudo Show podcast. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having us. This is awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Pseudo Show. Find links and show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash pseudoshow slash 28. Subscribe with your smartphone to receive new episodes automatically every time there is a new pseudo show. Very first time.